Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week, we are joined by our Bridgeport location pastor and near South region pastor, Kenson Lamb. Also, we are excited to welcome our substitute co-host, Maddie Harrington. And today we will be talking about fighting against sin, our identity in Christ, baptism, while talking about what got cut from the sermon on Romans 6, 1 through 14. Great. Let's dive in. I'm Hillary Murphy. And I'm Maddie Harrington. And this is The Pastor's Cut with Kenson Lamb. Today, I am joined by two special guests because, first of all, my co-host Trevor abandoned me to be with his family. So that's fine because now we get to have Maddie Harrington on with us today. Maddie oversees our women's ministry and small group with Lisa Bishop here at Near North. Yes, glad to be here. And we also are joined by Kenson. Kenson, thanks for coming. Always fun to be here. Kenson, what is a book you have read recently that has influenced you the most? Fantastic question. So uh, I decided that the beginning of this new year, I always think about what new books I want to read and what I want to just supplement to my quiet time. So uh, I decided earlier this year that I wanted to talk more about things, not less less books about what to do, but books about what it just looked like to be with God and just be in His presence. Mm-hmm. Because my temperament naturally is do, 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 always very active, always very busy. Um, so I've actually introduced a lot of books, some books I've already read before, just back into my diet, just because I feel like it just grounds me again in who I am in Christ and not what I need to do. Uh, so some books for that would be books like uh, The Gospel Primer, mm. um, which is just all about these gospel nuggets. Um, I also bought a, a recent book called Every Present Moment, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a brand new book. It's just all these different prayers for all these different moments going through the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm actually rereading again, uh, The Valley of Vision which is just a fun, phenomenal book uh, on prayers that are just gospel-centered and just just having your eyes look up to, to Jesus. So let me just read this uh, from their very opening. It says, mm-hmm. uh, this last paragraph, you know, let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my life, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. And it's just stuff like that that just centers you again on, mm-hmm. on who Christ is. It slows me down because the list of things to do is never ending, mm-hmm. but just to remind myself, who am I doing it for and why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so those are the books that I'm currently reading mm-hmm. in addition to my comments books and Us Weekly and everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Comics classic. Awesome. So uh, we are just going to jump into um, Kenson. Can you share with us the recap for your sermon this Sunday that you preached at Bridgeport? Yeah. So I preached from Romans chapter six, verses one uh, through 14. Uh, So preached around the fight against sin uh, and how Sin, because as a Christ follower, has completely changed uh, in, in our lives. So, uh, start, Paul starts off by saying, you know, shall we continue to sin that grace might abound? Um, so, basically, the whole starting line of the of the whole sermon was the objection towards grace that legalists would have saying, man, all Paul's talking about is grace this, grace that. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by earning. We're not saved by following the law. And they're just getting aggravated by it. Um, so, they say like, well... Paul, if everything you're saying is true, what's to keep someone from sitting their brains out? Mm. You know, what's what's to keep them from um, saying like, hey, you know, if if God is so glad to forgive our sins, it only makes sense for me to sin all the more so God gets all the glory. (laughs) Um, It's it's been said that, um, you know, God's job is forgive. My job is to sin. It's the perfect marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And that happens all the time. 
Paul says straight out, by no means, by no means. And he basically works us through the next 14 verses about how that simply cannot be the case. Uh, and a lot of it is just rooted in our relationship and who he is. Uh, if you have a chance to read the verses, it's pretty cool because you look at verses 1 through 11, mm-hmm. and those are all basically, it's basically doctrine and theology. This is who you are in Christ. And it's only after he does that, then he talks about what you need to do in verses 12 to 14. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of things I talked about was just this idea of if you want to fight against sin, first off, you have to be aware of your enemy. Mm-hmm. And sin and Satan is looking to enslave you. Mm-hmm. That sin seeks to master you. A, a lie that we tell ourselves is that, you know, uh, I choose to sin. You know, sin is, sin is there for me when in actuality it's the opposite. Uh, sin is there to ensnare you and to make mm-hmm. you its master. And if we don't realize that, you know, th- the most dangerous traps are the ones you don't see. Mm-hmm. And that's what Satan would love for you to see is that sin is no big deal. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt someone else. You know, that's a complete and total lie. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. That is his intent. We need to know that. Mm-hmm. And, that's good. Yeah. And then the second thing I talked about was just our union with Christ and this idea that the reason that we can have victory, the reason we're no longer under the power of sin uh, is because of the fact that that it's no longer I who fight against sin, but it is Christ who fought in my place. Mm-hmm. That when he died, you know, I died to sin. And when he rose, he conquered the power of sin. Um, and then the final point uh, I really want to hit on is just to make sure that when we fight against sin, we fight from a place of identity and not first from a place of behavior. I'm not saying that behavior is bad, but so often when we think about fighting sin, we always think about, well, you know, you know, I shouldn't do this. I should make some more rules like this. You know, I I should put a rubber band on my wrist and snap it every time I sin or have a bad (laughs) thought. Nothing wrong with that. I'm I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm all for stuff like that. But if you don't first remind yourself who you are, Mm -hmm. um, that stuff is not Mm going to last. And it's only going to bring a very shallow type of freedom. If you want true and deep freedom, you have to go to the root. And that's your identity in Christ. Because every time you sin, it's because you've forgotten who you are in Christ. Mm -hmm. That you fall into the deceit of what the temptation brings. That in that moment, you know, you lose faith in who God is. You forget that he's sovereign. You forget that he's good. You forget that he's loving and you indulge in that sin. So... Mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, that's what I talked about. And also a lot yeah. of practical things uh, around that. Yeah. You talked about being aware of the enemy, but also being rooted in the unity of Christ. I think sometimes believers can kind of sway on one extreme or the other. What would you recommend being aware that the enemy is present? He co- does come to steal, kill, and destroy, but also we need to be focused on truth and godliness. How would you recommend kind of balancing that as we navigate this yeah. life of Christianity? I, I think— I think just like the gospel itself, um, in many ways, they go both hand in hand. Um, What I mean by that is like for the gospel, in order for the gospel to be super sweet and super delightful and super satisfying is when you understand just the depravity of our sin. So much in the same way, um, I feel like um, we 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 would be more alert we would be we would fight all the harder and and we would fight with more intensity when we understand uh, the enemy's attacks we understand the enemy's intention we understand we understand the enemy's resources business when we understand what we're up against i think it helps us to not underestimate 
mm-hmm. what he brings to the table, right? Yeah, and sure. I think that's actually probably, probably an even bigger danger, I think, amongst Christ followers is that once we come into saving faith, we're like, yes, now I'm saved. Mm. Now I'm secure mm-hmm. in Christ. You know, who cares what, you know, Satan's doing? Who cares what sin's doing in my life? You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. No, it, it, it deeply matters. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the, the grace that is given to you in your salvation is not just there for your forgiveness, but it's also there to transform you more into the image uh, mm-hmm. of Christ. So, yeah. and scripture, if you read it, you know, Jesus talks about it too, you know, just talking about, you know, Satan and his attacks, you know, every every gospel writer talks about, you know, just being alert and being aware, uh, putting on the armor of God that we don't wake mm-hmm. up every morning having the armor on right away. Yeah, for like, sure. We're told, put on mm-hmm. the armor of God. Like every single day, every single morning, you know, we should be preaching the gospel to ourselves because we don't naturally head into the world thinking like, you know, like, yes, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm all equipped, but so often we, we wake up and our first inclination is to maybe be more selfish, to be more like mm-hmm. my schedule first as opposed to who God is in my life. Yeah. So it's very important, morning quiet time, stuff like that. So, good. so yeah, so, so great. Yeah, great question. So, mm. yeah. So I'm participating in the women's study now. So we're yes. diving into James. So it's been really sweet to go really in depth into James and at the same time studying Romans and mm-hmm. even seeing some of these comparisons. Yeah. And something you said just made me think this past week, we talked a lot about temptation. And as you said, just because we're saved by grace and we have forgiveness, that's not a free pass to live however we want. I feel like nowadays there's just so much temptation surrounding us. So we talked about um, some ways to fight that temptation. Do you have any other suggestions or something that has worked for you personally? Yeah. Oh man, that's that's a fantastic uh, question. Um, so the thing uh, that I talked about on Sunday was just to remind our folks because it's very easy to hear a sermon like this and feel incredibly guilty because mm-hmm. Paul's like, "Shall she, you know? Sh- should we sin so grace may abound?" By no means, like sh- sin should not be mm-hmm. um, something that should reign in our lives. But for many believers, sometimes it does feel that way. Sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like, man, like we're just. It feels like it's a losing battle. So. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make super, super clear um, with the folks who are hearing the sermon that that in no way does Paul here in chapter six, nor does he, nor does any of the gospel writers assume that once you become a Christ follower, that you will never sin. Mm-hmm. We know this for a couple of reasons. First off, Paul in the later chapters will begin to talk about his own sin. Like he'll talk <laughs> about, I know the things I should do, but I don't do, but I do the things that I do know. Who's going to mm-hmm. save this wretched body? You know, like he, mm-hmm. like he opens up, like I struggle with sin. Sure. Uh, also as well too, when, when you look at uh, the, the New Testament, you know, it talks so much about church discipline, how to forgive, how to restore, how to repent. Mm-hmm. If you became a, if once you became a believer and you sin no more, what's the point of even writing all those verses? Mm-hmm. It's 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 a, it's assumed that that we're going to continue to fight uh, against sin, yeah. and and also in First John it, it says that you know if for those who uh, claim to have no sin, you know there is no truth in them. In other words, saying that if you say that you don't struggle with sin, the Bible's saying that you're a liar. So it's not true. So so I say all that just to say that temptation is a very real thing, um, fighting against sin and sometimes succumbing to it. It, it, it does happen. Uh, but the beauty uh, of the gospel is that we don't fight from a place of, of, uh, of uncertainty or defeat, but we fight from a place of victory and yeah. hope because mm-hmm. Christ is our, is our champion. For sure. So all that to say is that when temptation comes, that's the very first thing that you have to tell yourself that there's no temptation, as scripture says, that has come into my life that God has not given me mm-hmm. the ability to be able to stand up over. Mm-hmm. And Hillary, as you mentioned about James, James will later on talk about surrender yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from mm-hmm. you, right? Mm-hmm. We flee to, we, he'll flee from us 
by doing what? By first surrendering mm-hmm. to God. Mm-hmm. So the, the New Testament is always, always consistent in that way is that when we remind ourselves of who God is, when we surrender ourselves before God, and it's interesting, it's in that moment of weakness, Satan has no power mm-hmm. because our power now is rooted in God and not ourselves. So if you go into temptation thinking that I can do this, I can push back against Satan, he has nothing on me, I'm just like, you're just in for trouble because Satan's gonna eat that up all day mm-hmm. because, okay, yeah, maybe you won't fall into this sin, but guess what sin you just fell into? Pride and self-righteousness, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. lose, lose either way, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Satan doesn't care what sin you fall into <laughs> as long as it's a sin, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so all I say, you fall into temptation, Keep that in mind. Surrender yourself to God. Be in a position of weakness so that so that your champion can stand in your place and, and fight for you. Um, and, and, just, and just for myself, too, and I shared this in a sermon, very practical things. Um, in addition to that, preaching the gospel to yourself in your temptation, it's also, you also just have to make sure that you have people in your life, accountability mm-hmm. that, that is just always there for you. In Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. it says, you know, a strand of three cords, you know, it, it, you can't break that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that just, it's true of accountability. The more people you have in your life caring for you, temptation will have less strength in your life, that you have more <laughs> motivation to stand strong. I can keep going on and on and on. <laughs> Sorry, simple question, yeah. long answer, <laughs> long answer. That's great. It sounds like you had some really great points this weekend, but what got cut from your sermon? Oh, so much got cut. <laughs> so much got cut. Um, yeah, so my sermon process is that when I when I start writing, I just write everything, like everything, <laughs> like every idea as crazy as it is. And even as I'm writing it, I feel like this is, this is not going to make any sense, but I write it all and then I edit afterwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of stuff gets cut. Oh, mm-hmm. it just it's painful. So uh, a couple of things uh, that cut, got cut. Uh, was this idea about union with Christ. So what's really cool about it is that in Romans 6, it's talked about twice. He first talks about baptism, and then he talks about being united. Uh, in my mind, those are very synonymous ideas, but he's just using different language for it. Um, so, for example, when he talks about baptism, uh, I don't think he's necessarily talking about the literal physical act of coming in and mm-hmm. out of the water, but the symbolic nature uh, of baptism. Uh, and the language that we use at Park here uh, is that it's an outward sign of an inward change, that when you go in the water, it's a picture of your death and burial because Christ died and was buried. And when you come out of the water, it's a picture of your new life because Christ has conquered the grave. Mm-hmm. Like the word baptism in itself literally means immersion, that your life is now immersed in Christ by faith. So when he died, I died. When he rose, I rose. When he conquered sin, sin was conquered in my life. That's a beautiful picture of union. And then later on, he talks about, you know, you who are united well, Christ. And that word united is interesting too, because that word united is actually used as a gardening word. It actually is a picture mm-hmm. of a branch being grafted in to another tree. So it's a picture of how you have this one branch and now it's gaining all its life and nourishment from the new tree that it's attached to. Cool. And that's the picture of what it means for us to be in Christ is that, uh, is that the Spirit of God takes us, a dead branch, and now connects us to the living root, uh, which is Christ. So, all that to say is that you just get, in these verses, you get this beautiful picture of baptism, mm-hmm. union with Christ. This is why like at Park, we're always really big. I'm always really big that mm-hmm. if someone professes faith in Christ, I'm like, you have got to get baptized, not just for the sake of just doing this act, but it's like, and this is what got cut. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like a marriage ceremony. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, like two people like really, really love each other and they're super committed to each other. Uh, but do they really necessarily need to have a wedding ceremony? Do they need less mm-hmm. necessarily need to have like 80 or 100 people actually sit there? 
Well, no. You know, could they go to? Could they just go to court and just get it done legally? Yeah, I, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, but, but why do it so publicly? Mm-hmm. Well, because it's an outward way to demonstrate a very in a very inward mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. truth, which is like there's a there's a there's a deep commitment and love that we have one another, and we get married in front of everyone to show everybody. Our commitment. Mm-hmm. Baptism is very much the same way. So I, I cut out this whole marriage illustration uh, that mm-hmm. I really wanted to use just because there was no room for it. <laughs> but it's kind of like this idea because Paul's argument in this Romans 6 was this idea of abuse of sin and saying mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, not because, you know, I'm in Christ, you know, I, I, can, I can do whatever I want. The illustration I wanted to use was this. All right, cool. A marriage illustration. You're united to your spouse and your spouse says to you, for better or for worse, in mm-hmm. sickness or in health. I'm mm-hmm. always going to be with you. No matter what happens in this life, I will never, ever leave you. Your spouse says that to you. And when you hear that from your spouse, do you automatically think, yes, <laughs> that means I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, mm-hmm. go here and there. I can, mm-hmm. you know, have these flings. Yes, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Actually, no, no, no. That, that's, that's the complete opposite. When you hear that kind of unconditional love and commitment, what it should stir in your heart is this, un- first off, how undeserving you are of that, mm-hmm. but it only increases your love mm-hmm. to say like, how could I ever, mm-hmm. ever do something to abuse that promise, mm-hmm. right? I'll, I'll go to complete opposite. And that's, I think, part of Paul's argument is like, man, you just don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. like this love that's being extended from Christ, if you see it as a permission to sin, you actually don't understand his love whatsoever. And dare I say, are you even saved? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I didn't have a chance to go there either mm-hmm. because there's no time for it. But, <laughs> but that, that was something I, I got, that got cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you shared, baptism is just such a beautiful symbol of our transformation and transformation in Christ. And it's when you're outwardly expressing your faith and I feel like even further committing to Christ. Mm -hmm. And as we've talked about, it's not a free pass to live however you want. So I feel like you're almost held more more accountable to Mm -hmm. that. And I mean, I was baptized at a pretty young age. I was in middle school. So at that age, starting to realize what that means for my life and and hopefully that I can live as an example of the transformation and the the work that Christ has done in me. So for you being on the other side as a pastor, you have the unique opportunity to actually baptize others and have these types of conversations. Can you share with us a little bit more of what that's like? Yeah, it's um, so as a pastor, you have your uh, fun conversations and not so fun conversations. Mm -hmm. So I get plenty of those. (laughs) Uh, Having baptism conversations are always so much fun. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the biggest perks of being a pastor is that you get to be on the front lines of seeing so many incredible stories of transformation. Um, so when I'm in these conversations with folks about baptism, it's an opportunity to hear their testimony. And just being, this is just so awesome being able to baptize, like let's just say three people on a Sunday morning and have three different stories of just mm-hmm. God's grace at yeah, work. Sure. I get to hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. So first off, even just in my own heart, it's just like, man, like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And thank you for giving me a space and opportunity uh, to be able to do it. Uh, but also what I love about baptism is that it's just an opportunity again, just to share the gospel mm-hmm. over and mm-hmm. over again. Because a lot of times when people do baptism, they know that they should do it. They know that Matthew 28 says that disciples should be baptized. But a lot of times people just like, well, like, so why is it so important? Is it just a ritual that, mm-hmm. that we do? Mm-hmm. And I like to just share that when you get baptized, 
just like what we do every Sunday morning, just like what you do every single morning in your life, mm-hmm. is that you're proclaiming the gospel. You're yeah. proclaiming mm-hmm. the gospel to everybody. You're proclaiming the gospel to your own life. The women's study that you're in, you're proclaiming the gospel. Mm-hmm. In small mm-hmm. groups, you're proclaiming the gospel. Baptism is a beautiful way that Jesus has ordained the church to say that in this picture, you get to show the world mm-hmm. the gospel. Yeah. And I, this, is why I like, uh, this is why I like to tell a lot of people who get baptized that this is not about you. This is about Jesus. When you go mm-hmm. in and out of that water, it's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you didn't ask this, but I'm going to share it anyway. <laughs> but but, even, but for my own story, uh, it took me about 10 years from conversion to being baptized mm-hmm. because I failed to see that. Mm-hmm. That for me, uh, baptism was, was, as I said, just kind of a ritual. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. well, why do I have to do it? It's, just, it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's, it's annoying. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't want to share my story in front of everybody. I don't get wet. It's a little embarrassing. What if I drown? <laughs> you know, the pastor can't pick me back up. I don't know. <laughs> you, know you, you start thinking about all these things. Like, I just don't want, I just don't want to, I just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and even, even more funny is that when I finally got the conviction to do it, uh, I wanted to do it with my, my my then girlfriend now wife, uh, mm-hmm. because the baptism that was being offered was September seventeenth, two thousand and one. And I was like, that's her birthday. So I, so my wife wasn't baptized yet either. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, let's do this together. But my wife, uh, her parents are unbelievers, and mm-hmm. they said, no, we'll never attend. Don't mm-hmm. you do it? And my wife, out of just incredible love for her family and wanting to see them come for a baptism, decided to step out. And the pastor understood that, that was yeah. baptizing us. Mm-hmm. But I too wanted to step out mm-hmm. and say like, you know what, since my wife isn't, my girlfriend now wife isn't getting baptized, I don't want to do it either. And then he, my pastor Wilson just sat me down mm-hmm. and said, Kenson, is this baptism about you mm-hmm. or about Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I knew I just walked into a really bad situation. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, that's when, and that's when he just told me straight out, he's like, Kenson, like, Dude, this has nothing to do about you. Mm-hmm. The story yeah. that you share is not about you. When you get up there, you know, you again are being a witness of the gospel. And it's when I understood that that's what baptism meant. Like I was actually really convicted that I should have done this years and years mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. Uh, because, because that's what that's when I should have done it. That as soon as I professed faith, as soon as I fell in love with Jesus, baptism is just a public way to say, look at me. You know, mm-hmm. I love Jesus. And in some ways, in those 10 years, those I was kind of hiding. I was kind of mm-hmm. hiding that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, in in in, uh, in Jesus's genius ways, <laughs> um, baptism and communion was one of the safeguards that he put in the church just to make sure don't ever forget the gospel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, so yes. Once again, easy question. Long <laughs> answer. Long answer. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Did anything else get cut? Yes, something else got <laughs> cut too. Okay. Uh, so something else that got cut is that uh, this whole idea of being free. That now we've been set free. It says that in Romans, you know, Jesus, you know, it also says in the Gospels, you know, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a chance to share this, but something I want to talk about sin is that so often when we think about fighting sin, it's always about avoiding sin, disciplining yourself against sin, and not not you know not being anywhere near it. And mm-hmm. I am not against that. What I think that's very wise, especially if you just became a believer, you should do what Joseph did. And if you see sin, you run. You know, mm-hmm. I think so often many followers of Christ fall into sin is because right after they believe and put faith in Christ, they're still living too close. They're still standing too close to the edge of mm-hmm. where they came from. They're still, you know, immersed in the lifestyle, the circumstances, the people that led them into darkness in the first place. And I think that it is very wise to create distance and to cut off opportunity mm-hmm. from sin. 
And I think that that's very wise. You should do that. And many believers see that as how to fight sin. But that's not the ultimate win against sin. The ultimate win against sin is just not to sin. But when it says that we're free from sin, it means that our relationship to sin is is no longer the same. What I Mm -hmm. mean by that is let's just say um, before when you were around this person, this person, because of their influence, led you to say things, do things that you didn't want to do, mm-hmm. you know, step number one, yes, I need to create some distance. You know what I mean? Like every time I'm around, around them, they're just going to make me like wander or fall away. I can't say no to them. Mm-hmm. But true freedom is being able to walk back into that circumstance with that person and say, you no longer have the same power over me. Mm-hmm. That the joy and pleasure that I once had doing these things, mm-hmm. I no longer have. That is true freedom. You know, so that's something that you have to grow into. That's something that you have to mature into. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's something that that happens like overnight. It can mm-hmm. happen overnight mm-hmm. because of the spirit, but normally it doesn't happen overnight. But that's what freedom really looks like. Mm-hmm. Is that is that you because because I, I say that too because some things sometimes I always worry about this too is that like because like we just got saved and we want to avoid sin. Sometimes we avoid a lot of people that led us into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that. But at the same time, too, that's like you also have the opportunity to bring the gospel to them. Yeah. But if, if if you only see fighting sin as, well, they're the reason I sin. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. The reason you sin is because of your own heart. Mm-hmm. So the thing is that you have to you have to get that right. Mm-hmm. But once that transformation happens, you should be able to walk into that situation, walk into that circumstance and be able, you know, to, to not, you're not the same person anymore. That, yeah. that, that's what the freedom brings. So mm-hmm. that 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 got cut off. That just that would have taken too long to kind of work mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. explain the nuances of all that. But that that to me is like is that's what it really means to be free from sin. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it no longer has the same grip and hold in your heart mm-hmm. that it did before, night and day, night mm-hmm. and day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How would you encourage believers to um, practically ride that tension of? I want to love my non-believer friends well. I want to meet them where they're at. But also, this is a temptation. This is a stumbling block. This is something that I struggle with. Um, what are some practical, tangible things that you would encourage those believers in those situations to yeah. handle? Great question. So, uh, actually, my friend Steve, um, he he actually taught me a lot about this. Um, he came from a background of just a lot of heavy partying, a lot mm-hmm. of drinking, you know, they, they played sports together. So it's just, it's, it's just mm-hmm. like a, sure. a boys club. <laughs> and then, um, and it was just disastrous. Um, it made a lot of bad decisions, a lot of bad, bad relational decisions, a lot of, uh, it, it was just really bad. So when he became a follower of Christ, um, he knew that he could not go back into it. It was just too overwhelming. It was just, it, it just, it was just too much. So how do you do that? How do you walk that line? Like, does this mean that you completely avoid them? So what he did instead is that he knew that that he wasn't at a place where he can go back into that situation, nor in a situation like that where everyone's just drinking their brains out. Was it going to be conducive for any type of fruitful conversation? Mm-hmm. So what my friend Steve did is that instead of avoiding them, um, he decided to control the context. So instead, he invited them over to his house, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. would hang out, and they would, and and he would be able to control kind of like the environment and what was said and what was done. You know, I mean, like he'll do it during the day and not at night, so he'll be less yeah. prone to drinking stuff mm-hmm. like that. But to be able to have the type of fruitful and spiritual conversations that he was never able to have before. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was just like, man, like. 
dude, I so appreciate you because there'll be some mm-hmm. days I'm like, hey, Steve, let's hang out. He's like, no, sorry, I'm having some of my softball buddies come over. I was like, mm-hmm. really? He's like, he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not done with those guys yet. Mm-hmm. You know what awesome. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so it's 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 stuff like that. Um, that just man, I just I just appreciate that. So even so even for me, like when I think about just these different ways uh, in terms of how to walk the line. I think there are ways to do it, but mm-hmm. I think you just always have to be careful to make sure that, again, that you have accountability sure. in your place because um, sin is a slippery slope. It's one of those things where you just don't see it. Like It's a small compromise, and then like the drop is like almost sometimes instantaneous. It's, like, it's just so deep. So, mm-hmm. so you want to make sure you have folks around you uh, mm-hmm. around that. But my encouragement is... Um, is don't avoid people, don't avoid circumstances, mm-hmm. but pray that the gospel will work in your heart in such a way that you can re-engage in those things so that you can bring light into darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for being here on the podcast. It was great to hear the uncut parts of the sermon that you did this Sunday. And um, it was great to process through um, what it looks like as believers to um, struggle with sin and the reality of that, but also being unified in Christ and the power that we have in that. So thanks again. No, thanks for having me here. Always glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks, Kenson. And thanks, Maddie, for stepping in and being Trevor. Thanks for joining us for this week's Pastor's Cut. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue our study in Romans chapter six.